Hello and welcome back to the PickSpot Podcast. I am James Brain. I'm here with Sean Bernard. What's up, Sean? Not much. I'm missing the East Coast Sixers, so uh, good to be back. <laughs> yeah, uh, pretty rough road trip for the boys. Uh, they're back here. They're back in Philadelphia tonight against the Rockets. Um, it is Wednesday is when we're recording. Um, so the Sixers go one and three on a pretty tough road trip. I mean, a lot of people started to freak out, understandably, guess that a three-game losing streak is never good, but they played four very, very solid teams mm-hmm. over this stretch. And like the Jazz being the number one team in the West, the Suns being on the climb, winning what, nine of their last ten, eight of their last ten? Yeah. Something along those lines. And then, mm-hmm. I mean, they, the Trailblazers are, are never a pushover, and then they beat the Kings in a tough game. So um, mm-hmm. let's just go. I think we can talk more about the three losses um, just to kind of recap these three games, what did you see as like the kind of the biggest issue for this team over that last stretch? For me, the biggest thing that has become a trend now is just the lack of three-point shooting, which is kind of one of those things that this is something I never thought would be an issue with this team, and I thought that was kind of like the fix was there. But even compared to last year, they're shooting less three-pointers. They're like, and no doubt the magnitude, like Danny Green and Seth Curry, still matters and is still significantly better than like Horford and Richardson. When we're looking at that. But shooting more than or less two less threes compared to that team is pretty shocking. And uh, I mean, I get we're never going to be in like the leaders with that, just given both Embiid and Simmons kind of emphasis on like around the rim and uh, mid range. But like that's something that needs to change. And we it's now 15 straight games that we've been out attempted from three point by opposing teams. Yeah. And that's like you said, it's kind of a surprising thing that happened to the Sixers coming into this year. You're kind of like, wow, we have a plethora of guys that can shoot and. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's weird. It's a weird way to go from thinking we were very deep. Like, I feel like we had this conversation um, a couple of weeks ago where like this team is actually very deep. Like there's a lot of guys that can play to going to this team's kind of thin and they don't have a lot of shooting. Um, and I, I don't think either of those things are like, I don't know how to, I don't know how to say it, but like, they're not pressing needs or they're not like the end all be all. The fact For that the sure. Sixers aren't shooting that well from three and aren't shooting a lot is something they'll fix. And, and, the bench having issues is something they'll fix and something that like just by getting shake back will be improved. And I'm sure they're doing things to make it all work. Like I'm not nearly as worried of this team as I was the struggles of the team last year. Yeah, for sure. But I mean, so just in these four games alone, they shot 30 of 87 from three. So 87 attempts compared to the, in the four other games combined team shot 59 of 150. So that gap of how much more they're shooting and just think about, so 59 and 30. So shooting 29, 29 more times three. So that alone is 87 points that the opposing teams have that they just don't have a chance at just by not shooting those. And it's kind of one of those, like uh, doc talked a lot about that. It was to blame on the defensive end. Cause he looks at the transition three for that, which I agree is like a vital part of their offense. But I do think, putting more of an emphasis on the the set half court needs to be a part of the game plan. Yeah. Uh, I, it's hard because you want to focus your offense so much on Ben and Joel and Tobias. Mm-hmm. And like Tobias is very efficient in the mid range and in the post. And he's been doing that more. And we've been seeing like Seth Curry has been taking more twos over the last like couple of weeks. I feel like he's kind of just getting back in that rhythm of being a good shooter because he struggled early on after his after returning from COVID, that you know he's hitting, he's driving in and doing a one dribble pull up. I've seen that, seen him do that more often than than before. So again, it's tough. I think the three pointers are 
that the Sixers get in the half court are almost always out of a like an opposite set. So like Embiid passing out of a double team or Simmons driving and kicking. Yeah. Like it's only a product of what they're doing rather than it being the direct like option for the Sixers offense. So I don't I don't know if that's something they have, that they have to change or that's something that just comes with none of our main guys being like creators from from distance but i think it's something that they'll figure out in one way or another i don't know if that means they go out and get a guy that can at least off the bench that can create from outside if if that's the thing if that's what you think they'll go in that direction yeah i mean to me like when we talked about jj reddick a couple weeks ago i kind of looked at it as that was kind of a luxury move kind of like adding strength to strength and i don't know if i necessarily think that as the same way anymore versus like maybe we do need a guy who can just another kind of piece to rotate in with the the Danny Green with the Seth Curry, just another option. And Redick, you know, is ready to pull. He's fits. I would love to see him and Embiid playing again. So I think that's worth exploring in something like that. And like I would say, adding shooters has added has moved up a little bit on my list of priority for this team because I don't think we're we're set with where we need to be in that category. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, what do, what do you think about Isaiah Joe? Like, just is he that bad that he shouldn't be getting minutes? Like, I feel like with shooting struggles as much as they've been, and with Furkan not playing that well. Isaiah Joe should be an option. And we saw him late um, in the last game, kind of as a last ditch effort. But I feel like he should be kind of seeing minutes when Furkan's not playing well. Yeah, I, I was when uh, he first played well in like the COVID break where Isaiah Joe obviously got a ton more time than he was used to. I was very impressed with kind of how developed and ready he looked. And he was way more than I had expected at this point. So I, I would love to just throw him in there. For, at this point in the season, even though this is all about like we still need wins and every game is important and everything, I still would like to have like maybe a guy game. Like maybe this is an Isaiah, Isaiah Joe game where he gets a little run. We see what he's got. Maybe we give Maxi a little extra burn. Like I would still kind of just just seeing what we have and exactly what we need and helping these guys develop. So I think that's important. And Joe, like, I mean, the one thing we do know he's going to do is shoot the basketball. Yeah. And that's what we're missing right now. So it's kind of like one of those why not. And you saw like in that, that heat game, I remember specifically like him just – chucking it up from way outside of that zone and breaking things down like he added to the team by being on the court so it might as well give him a run and it's like at least we know what we're working with yeah i totally agree and i don't we don't want to get too in depth with everything we're going to talk about everything a little bit more uh in detail in a little bit um what i want to get to and i know <laughs> what you know i've been waiting to get to is ben simmons man um a 42 point 12 assists nine rebound performance um the other night it just in a against the best team in the West right now, currently against a team that has this bad blood kind of history between Donovan Mitchell. And maybe that's just me holding a grudge and Rudy Gobert, just cause I dislike him. Maybe that's just me, but it felt amazing. Even in a loss, it felt fantastic to see that has come to life. The guy that went to the rim, 19 points in the first quarter, got everything he wanted whenever he wanted, affected the game in so many ways like usual, but was putting the ball in the basket, shot, what, 26 times, I think? Yeah, 26, 26 times. times. Like, when was the last time Ben shot that many times? It was just, it was great to see him kind of take over in, um, without Ben, or I'm sorry, without Joel Embiid and Tobias Harris doing the same. But I know, I, I never would label you as a Ben Simmons hater. I don't think you are at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but as a guy that's been skeptical of Ben and his offensive ability, what did you what did you feel coming out of that game? I mean, he was great. And this is the the part where I, I don't think I'm a full Ben Simmons hater, but it just frustrates me so much. Is like like why why is this not always there? Why is there never like a like you see that he has it in him? And I guess it's kind of like a if you give a mouse a cookie kind of thing with me that like <laughs> I see it and I just want more. But like yeah. 
if Embiid is playing his best and Simmons is coming in with that mentality and playing, going to attacking the basket the way he did, because that is like what I think the difference is with him. I think it is purely mentality and just like when he's got it, he's got it. And when the switch is flipped and he's ready, that he's at his best, but it just doesn't happen all the time. So that's my biggest, like, biggest thing with frustration. Him and Toby were obviously fantastic and they just had not enough help surrounding them, but it was cool to see that he kind of took took things a little personally, stepped up with Embiid out, and he played terrific. Yeah, I I completely agree. Like on all fronts, there. The thing with Ben and, and this mentality that he's been talking about, I think this is a product of Doc Rivers. And I mean, it's kind of hard to say because we've seen this Ben before, but it's been in like very small like sample sizes throughout his four years. Like. This Ben has been kind of growing. Like we've seen this season, Ben go from being kind of disappointing in a lot of areas, in the, like just offensively mostly, to him starting to climb up. Like he in in the recent stretches, he's been playing so well over the last times, last couple of weeks. This Ben is growing, and this mentality is growing. And I think with um, the impending roster moves that we might see, like if there's a way that that the Sixers can clear space for him when Embiid's not there or when Embiid's taking a rest and Simmons is in, like. That guy was unstoppable that we saw um, the other night. And I, I, I'm waiting for that to continue being the Ben Simmons that we know. Like, and get comfortable 42 points every night. But it, when he can be aggressive like that consistently, it takes this team to a completely different level. And they're, if Ben is playing like that and Joel is playing the way he's been playing, I don't see a lot of teams in this league that can beat them. Yeah, and this, I kind of had a, a step back and think about it moment the other night watching this game with Ben Simmons is... You think about, first off, he's incredibly important to this team and everything that he does defensively setting people up and like the attacking and then scoring has become kind of the bonus at this point for what he brings to the table. But when he's attacking the rim at the pace and the amount of time that he is there, so he shot the ball 26 times, that's now like X amount of passes that he did not create and threes that he did not set up. And that kind of plays it's kind of the the catch 20 with the 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 lack of three-point shooting in that regard because Simmons is for sure our best facilitator with setting up guys for three specifically so it's kind of the the tightrope we need to walk with as much as I love that aggression how much I've hated on him maybe it it isn't such a bad thing that sometimes he is more of a pass first role yeah and I think that is so I think that's the point of all of this I think that's the point of Ben Simmons is the fact that he creates his offensive game the way that he manipulates defenses, I like this is the thing I have with Ben. There are great passers, there are elite passers, but then there's guys that manipulate the game. Ben Simmons manipulates the game on so many levels that so many people don't understand. If you watch him in the way that his eyes move and the way that he directs the offense and the shots that he creates for the players where they're comfortable to, to score from, he is so he can do what he did on Monday night against the Jazz is just something that, you know, even if it is only every once in a while where he can win you a game, which he, obviously he didn't win them the, that game, but he did all he could. Like, if he can win you a game like that every once in a while, that's fantastic. But I I love the Ben Simmons that we have, and I think that his scoring and his, like, his aggression to getting to the rim and figuring out to get to the free throw line, 13 free throws, mm-hmm. 12 of 13 from the line, like, that's amazing from him. I, you can't really ask much more from him from that. And if we can see him continue, even if it's in the smaller spurts, but in throughout, like consistently throughout each game, rather than just like at one out of every seven or 10 that he's aggressive, then I think this team sees a huge difference, even if he is still doing that facilitation that he's nor- like that, that he's used to and that we're used to from him. 
Yeah, I love the locked-in version of him that we got. I really want to see that alongside Joel Embiid. I want to see a game where they both have their the complete dominant faces on and going back and forth and just can be like as as great as they both have been individually. I've yet to see them kind of as a duo be that like frightening force, and that's what I'm really looking for. Yeah, I think the only game or one of the few games I look at is the Clippers game from last season, like right, right. before uh, the bubble or right before like the COVID break that they had, like right you know, in March of last year. Like I remember kind of being on my feet that entire game against a very good team, full strength, both teams, and kind of Ben and Joel just going at Paul George and Kawhi Leonard and making it really difficult for them and like both of them having great games. But that's really what you want to see is can these two guys in like do what they've done individually together and you see that Ben kind of takes a backseat to Joel offensively when they're playing together which is fine and I think is necessary um but I think that there's going to be times where Ben needs to take the driver's seat when sometimes when Embiid gets doubled and there's so many things going on for him that like teams already focus on Joel when that kind of stuff happens Ben has to step up and do what he did because Joel can stretch the floor Joel mm-hmm. can stretch the floor and like as even if it is only a couple possessions where they're playing a team with a decent center you know, or like a Rudy Gobert and just pulling him out to the corner three and making him cover both guys. And I think that they can do that. And I think that's something we will see Doc do going forward. Right, for sure. And uh, Joel Embiid taking threes has been something that's kind of been hated on like throughout his time here and kind of has been looked down on. And at this point, it's full out necessary for him to be able to do that. And especially with like the way the NBA has gone, like you have to be able to hit that. And just being able to sit outside and open things up for Simmons is huge in that. And I would love for that to be a more of the part of the offense to take a yeah. possession where Embiid's the guy sitting outside and Simmons is the guy going to work in the middle. And as much as Embiid has gotten hate kind of throughout his career for shooting the threes, I think it's now pretty much necessary in today's NBA and with the way that Simmons plays for him to be able to step outside and open things up for Ben to drive. So I love that that's an option. I think that should continue to be. Yeah, and this is the modern NBA, right? Center mm-hmm. shoot, uh, point guards are six foot ten and don't shoot. Is this team is unique and very strange, and like I think that's. I, I catch myself doing this a lot where I compare them to other teams and what other franchises are doing or this or that. And um, I question sometimes whether I like really believe this team's going to win a title or could win a title. And um, instead of doing that, I've started to think like, what is this team really good at? And I don't think there's an NBA player in the league that can stop ben, or, uh, Joel Embiid at this point when he's at his best. Um, and we have just such a unique like faction of a team Ben Simmons being as strange as he is as a basketball player. There's just a lot of weird wrinkles. And the more you start to accept that and just enjoy the fact that this team is so strange and weird and somehow perfect in a lot of ways, um, it just makes it a lot more enjoyable to be around rather than just like, I hate, I've hated so many of the players that like have come and gone <laughs> and like, it's just been frustrating and I don't dislike anyone on this team. So it it's like, Still, I feel like I say this every pod, but like it's it, it gets fun to watch when you just enjoy the players and are really rooting for everyone. When I feel like Sixers Twitter and Sixers fans in general are just so split on all these guys. And it even took a, like it's taken up until this year for I feel like everybody to be on the same page with Joel Embiid. Like, yeah, I don't know yeah. how that's it's gotten this far that we're like we're still split on our superstars. Like, are, is there any other team in the league that their fans like hate one of their two guys? 
Yeah, probably not. And I guess that's what makes Philly so special. But I do think it, it's taken for me until this year to appreciate Joel Embiid. He's always been a guy that, like, I loved everything about him from the second he's been here, just his personality with everything. Just to sit back and look and objectively be like, that guy is one of the best players in the league right now, and he can do whatever he wants on a basketball court. Is so cool that he's gotten to that level and that he's here with us, you know? Yeah, it, and it's like when you talk about – if this is the Joel Embiid that's going to continue at least for his peak, where like you're talking Hakeem Olajuwon and and Joel Embiid in the same breath, and you're talking yeah. about like some of the best big men ever, Joel Embiid's gonna be up there if he's continuing Jack. the stretch, and like that's insane. That's literally insane to think about that this guy could be like our version of Hakeem like Hakeem Olajuwon, and it could be our version of David Robinson, whoever you want to compare him to, like it's kind of crazy to think that we have this guy on our team that we're like growing up with and watching. He's also not to dive too deep into Embiid love, but he's leading the league in mid-range shot percentage right now, which yeah. is ridiculous. And that's, that's yeah. opened up so much of his game, just to how easy that is. It's a layup for him to just spot up shoot like that at this point. Yeah. I, I was listening to um, the podcast, all the smoke with Matt Barnes and Steven Jackson. Mm-hmm. I listened to that podcast yesterday and that they did one with doc rivers last week, or like, I think it was late last week. And they were talking about Joel Embiid for a little bit. And Doc just kept saying, like, it, he, it's everything seems he does things a little bit like quirky, like his moves. Fleeted foot, but his footwork is so good mm-hmm. that it like when you go back and look at it, sometimes you're like, that should have been a travel. And then you go back and look and you're like, wow, that actually wasn't a travel. He's just so talented and so gifted in a lot of ways that now that he's been able to just figure out that mid-range shot like he's actually unstoppable and like he's just different he's just a different breed of basketball player and it's just like again you have to appreciate him but this it's taken this much work from a just to get like the actual like overall love from this city rather than it being kind of split because people even up until last year like through last year were questioning Embiid and his health and um mm-hmm. his commitment to everything and just like it sucks that it's taken this much to get there but um we can move on here to what the Sixers are lacking. And obviously we talked a lot about shooting um, and this team's lack of shooting recently, but obviously Shake Milton's been out over the last couple of games and he missed the road trip. What other issues on the bench aside from missing Shake Milton do you think were like the biggest factors in, in their struggles over this weekend? I think it's a lot of it's correlated to the the shooting that we've talked about because just based on Simmons wants to get to the rack and B is going to hit his mid range and uh, score around the rim, so it's kind of that three point shooting that is the 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 like second wave of scoring for us and like the the bench points that that's where they should be coming from. So I think that certainly plays a role. Uh, it's definitely gotten to the point where I think bench is is for sure the target of what needs to be upgraded. Even though earlier in the season we were talking about how great these guys are and how. They're going to win us games, and I don't think we were far off on the case in that they still can be very good, and Shake being there certainly makes a huge difference, and we very much miss him on this road trip. But I do think this is the time to bolster, and my list with that is A, a stretch four that can shoot or a stretch big to add to that crew, uh, B, a legitimate point guard to come in, a, a George Hill type, and uh, C, just another shooter, bringing in for more numbers with that. And I think if you address those three things, which is not obviously easy, I think that kind of puts us in a better light. Yeah, I agree. And I think, I think that that's kind of like, it's become kind of obvious in a lot Definitely. of ways that those are the, the things you need. And we had talked about this before and the stretch big was like, that would be a luxury. It'd be nice to becoming 
if you want to see Ben Simmons with an open floor more often, that's going to have to be like a real thing. And that could open up Ben Simmons in a lot of ways and that can make your team a lot better. You've seen just the shooting numbers go down in general. You might, before it was a luxury to have a new shooter or another shooter. Now it almost becomes a necessity. And like as much as you love Maxi and as much as we like uh, Shake, neither of those guys are ready to be point guards. Like Shake is ready to play. I don't think Maxi is ready to be the point guard. So you need another guy. I mean, there's been a lot of talk between George Hill, Delon Wright, and then like kind of Wayne Ellington packaged in that Detroit deal. Do you think, uh, which of those two do you think is more likely to happen? Just taking out Ellington, just talk about Delon Wright versus George Hill. Who do you think is more likely to be a sixer um, before the trade deadline? Uh, my guts is George Hill, just based on, I think the Thunder are firmly in like wheel and deal mode. I think they're very much like a, a ready to hand pick guys from. So I think George Hill falls, falls right in that category. And he's a perfect veteran to add to a contending team. I've always been a fan of George Hill. I think he'll bring a lot to the team. And I think like that's a deal that can easily get done. It's going to be picks that is kind of, I think, going to be more is what he's playing around with. So uh, and that's all the Thunder seem to want to collect so that this all seems to add up in my mind. Yeah, I, I agree. I like George Hill. Like if it was one for one, I like George Hill better than I like Delon Wright uh, in that kind of deal. I wouldn't be disappointed with either one. And if you could bring Ellington in, like I would value the a Delon Wright Wayne Ellington deal more than I would value a George Hill straight up deal. Um, but either one, I'd be really happy with. And George Hill has been in the playoffs. He's been deep in the playoffs. He's been in championships, um, and he's a solid. He's just a solid player. He can shoot. He's not going to cause problems on like. And he's a. I think he's a very good locker room guy, as we saw um, with Milwaukee over the bubble. Just a guy I think would fit really well here and fit with Doc and like that's. I think that's a guy like that's all you need from your backup point guard position. He's a consistent yeah. shooter. He's not going to turn the ball over. He's a decent defender, and he's a smart, high IQ player and a good leader. That's great, especially for a second unit that has. I think him and Dwight would play really well together as well. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I've talked about Laurie Markkinen a lot too. Love uh, Laurie. Bialika, Bialika rumors have heated up a little bit. That would be kind of cool too. Uh, again, for me, like it's not as much like the the person is the role that I'm torn to now. So any guy that you think best fills that exact kind of stretch for bench kind of cool to just fill whatever. I do believe that. Uh, and I, I slaughter his name every time I say it, but Bialika Bialica will uh, f- find his stroke, even though he shot poorly this year, I think he'll come around for like a second half if he gets a new opportunity and, and comes to Philly. So I'd be cool with that. But uh, yeah, th- those, those are my big needs. Yeah, and I mean, you look around, there's a lot of guys, like, there's a lot of guys I look at that I'm like, that could work. Could you make the one, the money work? Would teams be able to part with him? Like Terrence Ross. Mm-hmm. Terrence Ross, I feel like Terrence Ross has been rumored to the Sixers for the last five years, like, just <laughs> for, like, no reason, and it never actually happens. But he would be a great addition for this team, like, in a lot of ways, kind of like Shake, just more oriented towards the three. Um, I don't think you can make the money to part with him given that they just gave him a new contract. Um, Terry Rozier. Mm-hmm. Um, Scary Terry has kind of turned the tides for me. I used to dislike Scary Terry a lot. Um, but he's he he's good. He's very good, and he always balls out against the Sixers. But you can't really make that money work. He makes a lot of money. What would you have to do to get him? That kind of thing. Like, there's, Is there anyone else that like on your radar that you're looking at that you know could be a long shot but might be kind of a... Um, kill two birds with one stone as a backup point guard that can create from three or just that kind of deal. 
Uh, have not a backup point guard, but what are your thoughts on Blake Griffin? I don't want Blake Griffin. I'd have no want no part of Blake Griffin on this team at all. I sat I there originally. I, I, that's where it was my first reaction to. If he gets bought out and we hit him with a mid-level exception, I'm kind of okay with it. And I think he's at this point in his career is somewhat of the stretch four that we're talking about. He shoots more threes now than he ever did in his whole career. He's kind of he's way farther off from the the high flying athletic Blake Griffin to now he's kind of the sit in the corner Kevin Lovish Blake Griffin. So I'm I wouldn't mind that with a mid level exception. Yeah, I mean, I guess so. I, I don't know. Blake Griffin has never been like I've never had anything like anything against him. But he's just been like an absolute shell of himself uh, over the yeah. last like year or so, and like I don't know if I'm really ready to commit. Like even if it is only eight million dollars, I don't know if I'm ready to commit eight million dollars to a guy that's just been bad in a lot of positions. And what do you think his expectation of his role here would be? Like, do you think he'd be fine being the fourth guy off the bench? Uh, the only reason I would do this deal if it is happen, if he is okay with that, and if he's here to come to a contending team, try and win a ring, and like that's his mindset versus being. I think I think he's uh, on the same way that we've seen with a lot of these guys, in the same way that's seen with Dwight, uh, with Rondo, with a lot of these like the late in the career guys, where it's just like I want to play for a contender, compete. And if Griffin has that mindset, I don't have a problem with him being there. Yeah, I guess that's fair. I think it all depends on what he is looking for yeah i mean if you like could you imagine if he goes to the nets like i don't know how they have enough money and like he's one of those guys that i feel like i would be kind of disappointed if he went to a contender or like a rival contender Mm -hmm. um but i wouldn't be that happy if he ends up on the sixers like for me best case scenario he ends up on like the timberwolves and it doesn't matter to me at all like i would just I don't think I want him here. I don't know if you've convinced me yet. Maybe maybe in a little bit if these shooting struggles continue or whatever it is. But another guy that I was looking at that I'm biased towards to begin with um, is Derek Rose and how the Sixers kind of let that deal go without even... I mean, it was there was no reports that they were really interested. And that move kind of happened like and just was swept under the rug. The fact yeah. that Derek Rose is back in New York. And he's not the player, obviously, that he used to be. But he's a productive player. And like he was our backup point guard. I'd be ecstatic mm-hmm. yeah I know, I know you were too and i've always been a big Derek rose guy from his time in chicago uh he feels a little bit too similar of the the shake milton kind of ball yeah. dominant scoring point guard role so i think that's probably the the reason for shying away from him. but i i think he would have been like a great addition he's a great kind of contending team and i just tom thibodeau loves that man like you yeah. gotta love to see it yeah i respect that and i mean the knicks are the knicks the knicks aren't bad no you know it's kind of it's kind of uh it's all right. I, I've like some people hate the Knicks, and I'm just like I don't. They've never been a problem for me because they've just never been good when I've cared about basketball. So even when Melo was there, it wasn't even a big deal. But um, I want to talk about uh, two guys that one guy that we we know and love, and he came out the mud, and everyone knows it. Um, Paul Reed and Rajon Tucker, two guys in the G League bubble right now. Paul Reed got named the G League Player of the Week last week. Um, he was averaging what? What was it? Well, how many points per game? 20. I'm going to get it exactly right. Hold up. Yeah, I was going to say it was like high 20s, though, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, Paul Reed, he scored 19 and 16 last night. He is averaging 24.7 points and 11 rebounds per game. Wow. In what, three, four games? Four games now. Yeah. Four, four games. Blue coats are good, by the way. They look pretty good. Hey, man. 
that's that that's our farm system um but but paul reed like came in showed a little bit of you know potential i like the way that he he's long athletic um he seems like he can shoot he's been shooting the bubble uh, in the g league bubble a little bit more than obviously he got a chance to in in with the sixers in his short stint in the nba but these two guys like Rajon Tucker's kind of impressed me too. He's like he's like a dog. Like he's he's an athlete. He's aggressive and he's a guy that like gets to the rim and gets buckets. What did you what have you seen from these two guys? Obviously, I know you're probably not watching the G League games all that intently, but with these these two guys and the potential that they have, do you see them being guys the Sixers bring up? Obviously not this year, uh, but going forward. Yeah, I mean Paul Reed's another one of these kind of unique guys that we we've, we've talked about so much with the Sixers already in the way that he's not doesn't have like a firm position he does a little bit of everything he's a pure energy guy he's looked impressive he's impressed me more than i expected and i like he's a guy that even when he was with the the real sixers like i thought he let's just throw him in see what he's got a little bit and it's cool kind of the layers that we're seeing to his game and tucker i've been very impressed with too he looks like way more of an nba player than dakota matthias as much as uh shout out dakota matthias and miss him for (laughs) the big shot against the heat, but uh, he looks athletic. He had 10 assists the other day. He's a better passer than I think he gets credit for. And just like uh, over a block a game at six foot three is ridiculous. And he, he would just dunk on people's face and feel no, not bad about it whatsoever. So I love his <laughs> attitude. These are both guys to watch out for. Yeah, I think uh, they're both very exciting. Paul Reed kind of reminds me of a Pascal Siakam in that way. Like, I don't know if I'm Agreed. kind of reaching with that, but you know, kind of a raw athlete, a guy that can, do a lot of things isn't a great shooter but can is working on it like lengthy gets to the rim that kind of guy i i like that idea of having paul reed kind of just have time to grow into that role it's not pressing that like we don't need him right now um and he doesn't need us right now if he has the league bubble so i'm excited for level offensively um so i love the aggression from him i love the way he plays and from what i've seen at least i haven't seen too much so i don't want to get ahead of myself um but both of those guys have been like fairly impressive at least early on in this bubble um so we can kind of we're going to get close to wrapping up here kind of a short pod today um but the Sixers play the Rockets tonight I'm going to try to get this out it's um early on right before the game so people can listen before the for the preview um the Sixers get back at home tonight against a decent Rockets team a, a kind of a surprisingly decent Rockets team um a team that's not gonna let you punch them in the mouth they're gonna they're gonna come back with something of their own as well so what do you what do you see from the this game tonight and the Sixers going forward? Uh, I think the Sixers are going to stomp on them tonight. I think this is going to be a statement win. I don't think the Rockets are very good. They're 0-5 in their last five and have lost by like an average margin of 19, <laughs> which is pretty crazy. Uh, since Christian Wood's been down, they have not looked the same as like they looked maybe early on in this, the year. They were also without Oladipo and uh, Eric Gordon pretty recently, and they're both uh, up in the air for tonight. So I think the Sixers are going to kind of get a statement win and come back to like the team they've been looking for so i think it's gonna be a good game yeah let's hope so man uh get get back at home get right get a win um everyone's healthy as of right now aside from shake mm-hmm. um and Embiid probable. i mean and breathe and be probable i mean hopefully you get your uh your old-fashioned type load management tonight where you got a big enough lead going into the fourth you probably don't need to play your guys i would love to see them uh, all three of the guys, Ben, Tobias, and Joel, get a nice rest tonight considering um, how many minutes Ben and Tobias played the other night. So the Sixers have, obviously, the Rockets tonight, the Bulls on front, and then back-to-back games. Well, not back-to-back games, but two games against the Raptors um, with a day in between. So 
give me your predictions going for those four games, including tonight. So Rockets, Bulls, Raptors, Raptors. I'm going to go three out of four. I think they split with the Raptors, but I think we get back on track this week. I I love to hear that. Um, and that'll probably be, we'll probably clear all those, all four of those games before the next pod. Um, I think the Sixers go four and oh, I think they turn around and they win four straight. Um, I think they blow out the Ra- the Rockets tonight. They blow out the Bulls on Friday um, and they win both against the Raptors because they're both in Toronto, if I'm not mistaken. So um, a quick road trip to the north, actually to the south because the they're playing yeah, Tampa Florida. Bay. Yeah. <laughs> kind of forgot about that for a minute, but I think the Sixers go four and oh. Um, before we go, I do want to say I was right about Ben Simmons. I, I always have been. Um, I'll take my apologies now, not from you, Sean, but from everyone else. Um, and I, I'm excited for the this Sixers team. Like as much as they, it was frustrating that loss against the Jazz and kind of like a tough game to lose behind performances from Ben and Tobias. It kind of felt like a win in in, in a small way. It doesn't hurt as bad. So I feel like they're going into this stretch with a little bit of confidence. Yeah, and also a thousand percent standby, uh, sitting out Embiid, and I still yeah. protecting oh, yeah. him and keeping him healthy is the number one priority. I think he we haven't done a, as a good enough job of it as should be done throughout this season so far. The amount of time he spent on the floor or jumping around has been too much for my liking. So uh, yeah, I think that was the right call to keep him out. Yeah, I totally agree too. It's it's uh it's not worth it, especially late in that road trip uh, after three tough games before that. Uh, and his he's gotten some bumps and bruises along the way this season so far. I'm not ready to, uh, and I feel like you got to protect him from himself. I think he Agreed. wants to play every game. I think he wants to prove to people that he's not injury prone. He doesn't need load management, but he's a big ass dude, and he he's a guy that's taken some rough falls over the last couple of weeks. So, you know, clear him up, get him healthy, uh, get the entire team healthy, get Shake back. I think it's time for them to go on a little bit of a run again make some noise again. I feel like the noise is kind of falling off for them. Um, so starting tonight against the Rockets, a W, need a W. Um, thank you guys for listening, and we'll talk to you guys soon.